Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. If you're joining us for the first time, you you came to church on a Sunday after Thanksgiving. So uh, you're really looking to get saved today. All right. Um, uh, I'm glad to be back at church. It feels like I was telling Megan yesterday, it feels like forever since I've been at church. And it's only been a week. We spent Kansas City. We spent Thanksgiving in Kansas City um, with my in-laws. And so uh, while I was with my in-laws, I got to write a sermon on patience. All right. And I have entitled it Patience When You've Had Enough. All right. And so I would like to dedicate this sermon right now to uh, to Marshall and Jen. And my, that's that's a joke. I love my in-laws. I love my in-laws. Um, but we've been talking about uh, the fruits of the spirit and uh, growing pains and what it feels like to produce fruit of many flavors or right, one fruit, many different attributes to that fruit. And so our anchor scripture is out of the book of Galatians. So let's just hop right in the word. All right. Galatians chapter five. Starting at verse 16. So the word says, but I say, and this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So you are in a tug of war every day between what you want to do and what the spirit inside you wants to do. And you are pulling back and forth over and over. And he says, these two things are opposed to each other and they're keeping you from doing the things you want to do. And so if you feel this, the worst thing I wanna encourage you with is that it is normal. Everybody is feeling it. Everybody is feeling this tug of war back and forth. I wanna do this. I don't want to do that, but somehow I'm doing the thing I don't want to do. And so he goes on in verse 22 and he says, but the fruit of the spirit, the product of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And so we've talked about so far, um, I've talked about self-control. Pastor Tyler has taught us on faithfulness and gentleness. And so today I'm talking about patience. All right. I'm talking about patience because uh, nobody is in a hurry to be patient. Everybody's in a hurry, but nobody's in a hurry to be patient. And time in and of itself, uh, I think, is a very interesting concept um, as as a <laughs> as a black person, as a person of color. Um, let me get a little cultural history. So if you don't know, black people operate on something we call CP time, okay? And if you don't know what that is, ask somebody in your small group, okay? Don't ask a stranger. Ask somebody who you know, okay? <laughs> All right? Which basically means that time is somewhat relative, okay? All right? I always see, I always take it uh, with a grain of salt whenever we're going somewhere and we're always traditionally just a little bit late, not, not super late, just a hair late. And, and it's not me, but there's only two adults in the house. So if it's not me, you can only imagine who the other person is that makes us late. Okay. Um, and we were early one time, but nobody else was there. So I can't prove it to you. So <laughs> one minute rice, 
60-second workout, right? Instant replay. Instant oatmeal. Trash. Instant grits. Trash. Everything gets faster and faster and faster. Speed reading. Speed dating. Do you know you can still speed date in Springfield? If you're between 40 and 60, they do speed dating. I found that out. I don't know how I found that out. I'm not 40 yet. But found it out because uh, uh, Megan's trying to get me to get a dog. I'm not getting a dog. Megan's trying to get me to get a dog. And uh, so we were on Facebook on the events trying to find the dog adoption day to go look at a dog. And looking at the Facebook events, we found out that there was speed dating last Saturday. And so, But it's only for people between 40 and 60. So, you know, that's the thing. But uh, Noah, his birthday was about a month ago now. Uh, and so he, he got money. He got money now. And so if you know anything about a 10-year-old with money, they want to spend the money and they want to spend it now. It's like, I want to spend it right now. And so he's got a little bit of money and he's in the building stuff. And so he comes to me in the living room the day after his birthday. He was like, I want to go to Walmart and get Lego set because he's got his money. I was like, who buying Lego set? He's like, I'm buying Lego set. I was like, let's talk. I was like, do you really, really need a Lego set? I was like, you literally got a Lego set for your birthday. He was like, but I want it. And I want it now. I was like, listen, let's be wise. I said, Christmas is coming. I was like, won't you get the Lego set for free if you wait a month or so? And he looked at me. He's like, no, I want it now. I want to go to Walmart now. And I said, well, buddy, you can't drive. So good luck. <laughs> you don't get what you want all the time. You know, impatience is a timeless behavior, but I think more than ever, we are living in like the now, the now generation, right? Everything has to be now. Everything has to be now, and so our productivity is programmed. Every, we're using shortcuts and gadgets and everything to make us more productive. I saw an ad on social uh, last week that was like 25 ways to get your child into an Ivy League college today. For what? <laughs> Can they learn how to spell? Let's start there. Like, and, and, it's, and it's somewhat disturbing to me because we're not, we're not programming ourselves to be patient. We're programming ourselves to be impatient. Because if, if everything is supposed to, to save us so much time, why does nobody have margin? Why are we like the, the nation that needs the most sleep than we've ever needed ever? Everybody's sleep deprived, but everybody's saving time. And so everything is, is getting us to move faster, make quicker decisions. And so we end up with instant gratification going up and lasting satisfaction going down. And so everything is instant, but nothing lasts. And because we get instant highs and at the same time we get instant lows, our appetites become unquenchable for things. We just, keep, we just keep going, trying to get more and more and more, which has led us to be both positive and pessimistic. Positive that I can do something about my problem, but because the, the decisions that I'm making are short term, they don't actually last to do anything. So then I'm positive that I can do something, but pessimistic that it's actually going to last. So I'm positive I can change this, but I'm pessimistic that it actually is going to make a difference. Because we're making quick decisions with not real impact at the end of the day. And so one of the things I want you to be really, really aware of is um, pessimism posing as patience. 
Because I think pessimism robs patience of its good work. And so we're like, well, I'm just a, a glass half full kind of guy. Can we be okay not accepting that we're going to be glass half full kind of people? Or are we just going to say pessimism is just my personality type? Because pessimism is, is, is pessimism robs patience of its good work because pessimism goes on to produce bitterness and it goes on to produce laziness and it goes on to produce boredom. And so we don't have to be pessimistic about life. We don't have to be pessimistic about what is happening in our life. When we embrace pessimism that poses us patience, it poses us patience. You got to work to be patient. <laughs> like patience takes work. Patience, patience, just like pessimism doesn't have to be a personality trait. Patience is not a personality type. Some people like to go, oh, well, I'm just not a patient person. That means you just don't want to be a patient person. Because patience is not a personality type. Patience is a Christian virtue. Patience is a virtue that we develop. So um, I can't be patient. Yes, you can. You can be patient. What you're really saying is I don't want to be patient. When we say I, I, when we say, I can't be patient, you're saying I don't want to be patient. And what you're really saying is I'm tired of this. I'm tired of them. And at times I'm tired of me. I'm tired of me. And so I'm impatient with me. And so, Brandon, I'm not pessimistic. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. And sometimes I get it. Life will, life will, will drain all of the oomph out of you some days. Life will wear you down. People will wear you out and life will wear you down. <laughs> and if you don't end up being pessimistic because of your life circumstance, what you will fall into is the trap of passivity, posing itself as patience. And this is the one that, that really gets me because being passive is not the same as being patient. And this is the one I get to be, a, I, get, I get to sit on the sidelines of a lot of relationships and passivity is the one that poses itself and it ruins relationships. I watch it ruin, ruin people that are dating relationships, married relationships, husbands and wives get, get passive with each other because you're just tired of fighting about it. So you think that you're being patient and you're going to be the bigger person when really you're just being passive. So now you're just sitting being passive, acting like you're being patient and the enemy is controlling all the decisions that you make. Passiveness is laziness. And the Bible has a lot to say about being lazy. And so Hebrews says this. Hebrews says, we don't want you to become lazy. But instead, we want you to imitate those who through faith and through patience inherit what has been promised. I'm going to say, we want you to Imitate those through faith who and patience who have inherited what has been promised to them. 
which means a key to not being lazy in my faith and being passive about the things of God. This says it's to get around people who have faith, who've been patient, and who have inherited the promises of God. So when you look around your circle, if you're not around people who have inherited the promises of God and who can activate you with their faith and who can tell you about how their patience has produced fruit, you won't ever gain the patience that you need in the fight for your life. (laughs) Hebrews says, don't get lazy. Don't get lazy. Instead, I want you To imitate those, imitate them. Imitate them. Be just like them. Like, this is one of those where fake it till you get it right. (laughs) Like, just get around some people who say that they have seen God come through in their life and their faith will encourage you and their patience will encourage you. Because our patience runs thin when we begin to feel like life is unfair for us. When we get that perspective that life is unfair, then our patience becomes thin with the circumstances around us, with the people that are around us. Is life hard? (laughs) You bet it is. It sure is. But watch this point of view. Like, like life is hard. We know that. So the passive person sees that life is hard, and then they adopt the mindset of life is hard. So what? What am I going to do then? I'm just going to sit here. That's not patience. That's passivity. That's passivity posing as patience. The person developing patience would say, life is hard. Now what? Life is hard. Now what? And this is where we have to be really, really, really careful. Because the flesh will want to jump in right here and start to play this tug of war for you and want you to take things too far. The flesh will want to jump in right here and let your pride rise up and make you think that you deserve something more than what you really do. So you'll sit in your circumstances instead of just sitting there being like, ah, well, it is what it is. So what? We should have the posture of now what? But we shouldn't have the posture of letting our pride rise up so far that we take things into our own hands. Good things come to those who who wait, but we want what we want and we want it now, Now. but you get what you get and you don't. Impatient people can throw a fit. Like adults, you you can see a toddler throw a fit, but if you want to see an adult throw a fit, it's a whole nother level. But he is, but... uh, But at the root of those, at the the root of the silent treatment that we give is pride. At the root of the nagging that we fall into is pride. At At the root of cutting people off in traffic is pride. At the root of uh, making our own plans, doing our own thing because we've been waiting too long is pride. And it reminds me of the Bible. It reminds me of the Old Testament. The children of Israel had seen God do some amazing things in the life. God had brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery, brought them out of the hand of Pharaoh, promised them something amazing. 
generations past and, you know, Israel is in the news today. And so we, we see them now fighting for their life, fighting for their identity. And they're fighting the same fight that they've been fighting since the beginning of time. And you may feel like that. Fighting for my life, fighting for my identity. I know that God has promised me better, but somehow I'm not living in that yet. Like we get with, there's a, there's a section in the, in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah comes to the children of Israel and he comes to them to encourage them because they had come out of, they were in the promised land, but now they were still fighting because the enemies were still attacking them in the place that they were supposed to win. In the place that they were supposed to be fruitful, that they were supposed to live the good life, they're still getting attacked. And they just want to know when will the oppression end. And so God sends the prophet Isaiah to speak to them. And we sang about it this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah comes and he gives them encouragement. And he says, for unto us a child is born. A son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. We have to be really, really careful not to put the government on our shoulders. The Bible says the government will be on his shoulders. And see, this this would have been so relevant for them because they were looking for a president, for a king, for somebody to come and help them fight this political thing that was coming in on them. And so he God had to send the prophet Isaiah to, to wake them up and to shake them a little bit and say, hey, just hold on. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And they get this hope. And it's very likely they would not have been thinking about Jesus because they didn't have long-term vision. They had short-sighted vision. They could only see what was right in front of them. So it's very likely they're looking for who who is this leader? Who is this leader going to come? And so one year passes. God makes you a promise and another year passes. And time moves on and on. And there's something about being distant from God that will diminish your patience. There's something about being distant from the promises of God that will make you take things into your own hands. And so Isaiah comes back to the Israelites because they get sick of waiting. We can say that that's good news, right? That, that, that is good news. Like somebody is coming, everlasting father, wonderful counselor. Like some, something great is going to happen. But when, God? But when, God? And so much like we tend to do, they took things into their own hands. And so Isaiah comes back in Isaiah 30 and he gives them a warning. And it reads like this. The correction from Isaiah says, ah, You stubborn children, declares the Lord. You carry out a plan, but it's not mine. You make an alliance, but it's not of my spirit. You add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt, 
You going back to this old stuff? When I've promised you better? And every time we do that and we take things into our own hands, eventually the false God that we have worshipped will turn on us. Because right after that, Isaiah says in verse three, therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh actually turn to your shame. And the shelter in the shadow of Egypt become your humiliation. And he warns them, and it's a warning that I think is very applicable to the church today because we cannot let our lack of patience puff us up with pride to make our own decisions. Don't relent to Egypt. Egypt is, is, is cultural opulence. Egypt was the easy way to them. It was the quick way. Egypt is quick clout today. We relent to quick clout because it's familiar, because it looks better. It's a trap that the enemy wants us to take because he wants us to puff ourselves up with pride, thinking that we can control things better than God can. Instant gratification, diminishing satisfaction. Waiting on God requires my patience, not my pride. He's got his work to do. I've got my work to do. And patience in my life is developed when I get a, a keen self-awareness of my own personal self-centered tendencies. Like when I, when I flip it around and I become aware of my sins and my shortcomings and my fallacies and my faults and all the things that I know I need to work on, it makes me patient. It, it humbles me. It makes me patient. It makes me patient with people. It makes me more patient with God. Because if, 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 if you can't, I've learned over time that God uses uh, your relationship with him, the circumstances around you, or people to shape you. And so oftentimes, because I love God and he's easy to love, I can get my life together for God. People? People? People, people. People, people, people. <laughs> and so I, I, can, I can line up some of my behaviors for God. But when God isn't getting to me, you know who he's going to go to next to get to you? <laughs> people. He's going to go through people. And that's why the majority of the New Testament writings are about how to get along with people. <laughs> because it's God's ultimate tool to be able to shape us and to help us to produce the character that he wants us to have in our life. And so the letter to the Colossians church says this, therefore, as the elect of God, that's us, Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. Can you suffer long? 
long-suffering. Can you suffer long? I can suffer long for God. I can suffer long for the gospel. But Paul is telling us to long suffer for people. He says in verse 13, bear with one another and forgive one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also. God's most valuable resource in making you better are going to be the people around you. And so patience becomes grounded in our understanding as a church that God is doing a good work, not just in me, but also in others. And so God isn't just working on me. He's working on my spouse. He's not just working on me. He's working on my boss. He's not just working on me. He's working on my coworkers. He's not just working on me. He's working on my kids. Like he's not just working on me. And so when I realize that I'm not the only work that he is trying to work on, it makes me a little bit more patient with the other people around me. Paul told Timothy, a young leader, in 2 Timothy, he said, and the Lord's servant, talking to Timothy, said, listen, you can't be quarrelsome, can't be fighting everybody. Okay, you got to be kind to everyone. Got to be able to teach. <laughs> Patiently enduring evil. Patiently enduring evil. Correcting your opponent, not your friend. Correcting those who oppose you with gentleness. Why? Here it is. So God may perhaps grant them repentance. So God may grant them repentance, which leads to the knowledge of truth. Not so that Brandon can grant them repentance, but I have to deal with them. So I have to deal with them, but I can't make them apologize. I have to deal with them with kindness and gentleness and meekness, but I can't make them change their behavior. This says so that God can grant them repentance. That will then lead to their knowledge of truth. And then verse 26, so they can come to their senses. Come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. We don't want to talk about that. That the people that we love, that we get frustrated with, could be under the trap of the snare of the devil. And watch this. If God uses people to shape us, guess where you fall into the equation? You are the people. Me is us. We are them. So all of the things that are rough about me are to help Megan learn how to be patient. That's the way it works. I'm a piece of work. I was about to say she's a piece of work. I'm not going to say that. It was like a default kind of thing. I'm not going to say it. Patience is a critical test in our character that we could be wrong. Can we be wrong? Think about that. Can you be wrong? And it's easy for you to answer. 
But think about well, how would you, how would your kids answer that question? Can you be wrong? How would your spouse answer that question? How would your boyfriend or girlfriend answer that question? Can you be wrong? Because patience is a critical test in can I be wrong? Can I be okay with undone work? Can I be okay with with not knowing everything? With not being in control of everything? See, patience doesn't just test your actions, it develops your reactions. It develops how you react. Not just how we act. And how do we get it? Well, ultimately, we spend more time with God. We understand more about who the character of God is and the promises of God. And the beautiful thing is that God's promises are true and steadfast, and he never turns back on his promises. He never turns back on his promises. Later, the prophet Isaiah comes back to the the children of Israel who have turned and done their own thing, done their own way. And he comes back and he says this in Isaiah 30. He says, for thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And so after he corrects them and points out that Egypt ain't it, Pharaoh ain't it, but because of that, you will be humiliated. You will be put to shame. He gives them this word of comfort. God comes back and gives the people a word of comfort. And he says, if you return, I will give you rest and you shall be saved. In your quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And so we're like, well, I can't not be busy. Well, maybe you should try it. Maybe you should try it. Because as much as you are waiting on the Lord, He's waiting on you. Isaiah goes on to say, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. And blessed are those who wait for him. You know what impatience does? Impatience tries to prove the promises of God wrong. Can we stop trying to prove the promises of God wrong? The promises of God, the Bible says, are yes and amen. When we become impatient, it's like saying, I don't trust God to come through on his promise. Patience is developed when we persevere for God's promise. And so I want to encourage you to stop settling so soon. We've been taught to, to fight for the promise, but can you wait for the promise? Can you patiently wait because impatience isn't a personality issue, it's a faith issue. Impatience is the fruit of unbelief, of not believing in God. Can we let God be in control? 
Can we be okay with things being unkept for a while while God is doing his thing? Can we stay at the place that he puts us and go at the pace that he's moving us? Can we sync up with God? Many of us are struggling with patience, just waiting. And I get it, you're waiting on pregnancy, on a spouse, on a job, on a loved one to give their life to Jesus, on your health to get better, on the raise at work so you can stop living and try to make ends meet. I get it, we are waiting. Many of us are waiting. But while we wait, we don't sit and just believe that things are never going to change. That's pessimism. While we wait, we don't just sit and wait and wish and do nothing because that's passivity. And while we wait, we also don't take things into our own hands because that's pride. These are the fruits of impatience. These are the fruits of impatience, pessimism, passivity, and pride. Because we got to have patience while we wait, because who knows how long it'll be. But I know one thing, the longer you wait, the larger your fruit becomes. The longer you wait, the larger your fruit becomes. And I'm not going to act like it's not painful. <laughs> like, you ever seen pregnant woman in her ninth in a, in a third trimester she's 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 expectant but done <laughs> she's expectant for the joy that will come but she's tired and so we're we, we're expectant while we wait and it may be painful and so we groan and we grow we groan and we grow because we're eager. We wait with eager expectation, knowing that something better is going to be on the other side of it. And so we rejoice, which doesn't mean I'm laughing and I'm smiling and I'm cackling up every day. No, happiness is circumstances, is circumstantial. Joy is not. Joy is a choice. So I can have joy while I wait, even if it's not fun while I wait. Who said it was supposed to be fun while you wait? I've never read that in the word, but it is worth it. And so avoid the temptation of taking things into your own hand and have hope that redemption is coming, that change is coming. Don't relent to, don't relent to Egypt. Do not go back to Egypt. Do not go back to Pharaoh. The word says God is waiting on you too. And he's waiting to be gracious to you, to have mercy on you, to bless you. So don't lose hope while waiting y'all. Hebrews said to imitate those who have already inherited the promises of God through their faith and through their patience. Wrestling up all night long, wrestling, 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 losing sleep. Impatience comes to steal your sleep. There's only one person who is up worrying about the woes of this world and that is God. The Bible says in the Psalms that he does not slumber nor does he sleep. So is God still on the throne? Is the cross still sovereign? Like, 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 if God is still doing his thing, then go to sleep. Let him work it out and take a nap. 
God has promised you not just not just something better. And so we don't just uh, we don't just wait with with eagerness and expectation and rejoicing. All that is important, but we are also supposed to rest while we wait. Patience makes you restful, not restless. We rest in knowing that God is in control and he is going to take care of it. And so the last scripture I have for you is out of the book of James. It's James chapter one, verse two. And James says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You got to remember, impatience is a faith issue. It's a faith issue. It produces patience. And he says, but let patience have its perfect work. Let patience do the work. Doesn't say let Brandon have its perfect work. No, let patience do the work. And when you let patience do the work, James said you will be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Let's pray every head bowed, every eye closed. God, the, your people are waiting. There's some people that have been just sitting in circumstances that just don't seem to change. You feel like you've, you're doing all you can. You're praying and you are fasting and you're talking through it and you are trying to trust God and trying to walk this line of, of do I make this decision? Do I not make this decision? What do I do, God? I'm praying right now that you would send encouragement to your church. Let us not fall into the trap of just sitting in our circumstances, becoming passive and becoming pessimistic that robs us from the expectation that you are good. Help us to put our full trust in you. Strengthen our faith today. If you need to put your hope in Jesus, your full faith in Jesus, if you know you need help with this, if you know you need help with this and you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Spending time with him, getting to know his character, letting him work on you will help you to develop patience with him, with others, with your situation. But if you don't know Jesus, this is going to be hard. This is going to be a hard one for you. And so I would encourage you to, to open up your heart, open up your life and accept Jesus as not just a friend, not just like a coach, but as a father, as a king, as the one who is in charge, as the one who, who is in control, not just the life coach, but the one who controls your life. And if you're willing to put your full faith in Jesus, I believe he will come alongside you and he will help guide you and he will shape you and he will build your character and he will help you to see that he is working all the things for your good. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.